0: It's good to see you all again. Yeah, all them smiling faces. Yes. I'm continuing, of course, in Hebrews. Uh, we're going to go from uh, chapter 7 and verse 11, the last part of the seventh chapter of Hebrews. And I've entitled the message, This Uttermost Salvation. Something to get excited about. Because not only have our sins been forgiven through the new priesthood, Jesus Christ, Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, but he's brought with it gladness and joy and peace when the world round about outside has no peace. I've been noticing recently, as I've Looked at the news every morning. I used to go on the internet to have a look, a quick look. It's quicker than reading a newspaper. But <laughs> the people who are reporting are, are changing their tone. It's getting ever more miserable and glum. And if the weather's falling apart, according to them, it's got to be minus 10 and the sun shines. <laughs> Well, it's always shining for us, isn't it? Eh? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then the sun is always shining. You're always full of peace and you're always full of joy. And it doesn't matter how many years you've got, God has given us life, and life more abundant. But let me read the Scriptures to you right now. I'm going to read uh, Hebrews 7, verse 11 to 28. Just trying to decide whether to change my glasses or not. I think I can do it okay with these. Right. Verse 11 of chapter 7 of Hebrews. Therefore... If perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of the flesh, fleshly commandments, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. From the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. And also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and who has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as the other high priest to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness, But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Jesus Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. There's one or two important points. One of them I'll point out. Whenever there was a change of priesthood under the old Levitical order, then there had to be a change of law. The law was not permanent. Each priest would bring in his own laws. Uh, In fact, I think it was Josephus uh, recorded there had been 80, I think it was 83, priests along the line. So every time there was a change, we'll come back to that again in a minute. My text today is taken from that passage, It's verse 24 and 25. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for him. Later on, I shall be concentrating on those two words, uttermost and always, because that describes our salvation doesn't matter where you've come from you might have been a murderer i don't know it doesn't matter when once we've come to the lord jesus christ the slate is wiped clean doesn't matter what you've been doesn't matter what sort of a record you've got if you truly come to the lord jesus christ he makes you over anew right there and then and how long does it last because he's a high priest forever it lasts forever So the work that Christ does cannot be annulled. We can walk away from the blessings. We can walk away from it. But God never takes it away. It is forever. Well, there was an announcement of a new priesthood. You see, the old Levitical priesthood could never bring men and women into the presence of God or offer a sacrifice that would forever cleanse them from guilt, because it kept changing, kept changing. But each time there was a change, there was a change in the rules. So it was not very stable, not very stable, the old system. And the the, 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 the ways of men... The rules of men are never stable. They change. I think we all know that that there is no way we can please God by keeping a set of rules. We please God by having the nature of his son, Jesus Christ, take up residence within us so that we behave and come to look like Jesus when he looks down. Secondly, if the Old Testament priesthood had been perfect, why would King David announce hundreds of years later, in Psalm 110, that God had appointed a new priesthood, not of the order of Aaron, after men, But after the order of Melchizedek, now last week you should have heard about this Melchizedek. You should know about him. Just to sum it up for you, it says in Hebrews 7, 3 from last week, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, And he remains a priest continually. Jesus Christ is our high priest who deals with our sins and he deals with our sins forever. But always, he is at the Father's right hand making intercession for you and me when we slip and fall. And we do. No matter how long you've walked with the Lord, you still make a slip every now and again. This is not deliberate. If it is deliberate, then you're in real trouble. But when you just slip and fall, Jesus is there. Father, Father, let me rescue them. You know their hearts. Their hearts are towards you. And there he is, putting things right that we in our clumsiness get wrong. Whatever is Perfect and permanent. Doesn't need to be replaced, that's right, isn't it? If you've just got yourself a new vacuum cleaner, it's perfect. Not quite sure how long it's going to last these days. (laughs) But when it's new and perfect, it doesn't need to be replaced then. It's only when it falls apart. In Romans eleven twenty six. we read this verse. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This superior, abiding priesthood of Jesus Christ is not in the line of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, but it's from the tribe of Judah. Because Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah. It's something entirely different. You could say that the Levitical priesthood was a priesthood of men. They made the rules. The high priest made the rules and he changed them when he changed. When he died, he didn't need to do what he said. He had to do what the new one said, whatever it was. And therefore, therefore, there would be confusion. And no permanence. You couldn't depend on it. But what the Bible is trying to show here, what Hebrews is trying to show, or what Paul is trying to show in Hebrews, is that Jesus Christ as our high priest is permanent. Without beginning, without end. This Melchizedek, which is Jesus. A priesthood that has no change of leadership is constant. The rules are constant. What are the rules? Repent of your sins and follow Jesus to the letter. How are we supposed to live as Christians? We live by faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That one sacrifice was sufficient for all. And he always, that is unto what translated into heaven, he will be interceding for us. It's not a man interceding for somebody else. It's not me praying for you over some issue that you might have. It's Almighty God himself as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is making intercession for his Father, how often and for how long? Always, always, always. So how could that fail? How can we fail not to be blessed? If Jesus is there all the time saying, Father, my daughter Carol, let give her a blessing. Oh, Lord, lift her up. She's a, she's a bit unstable on that in that area. Or Olivia. How about her? She's lonely. Give her somebody. Can you imagine the conversation going on in heaven? Yeah? Jesus cares about you. He cares so much. They left all the glory of heaven to come and be ill-treated on the earth and give up his life, that you might have abundant life. It's like a transfer. He laid it down so that you could take it up, so that you could be a person who is not affected by the things that are going on around you. You'll always have a smile on your face even when things are a bit grim, because you know your heavenly Father, because of the prayers of Jesus, the high priest of the order of Melchizedek, is constantly at his Father's feet saying, let's do this for them, let's do that for them, let's lift them right out of themselves right now. Let them see us in heaven. Let them see what is in store for them, because if you're in Jesus Christ this morning, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, then you've got a fantastic future as well as a a wonderful presence. Now, priesthood and law are inseparable. Therefore, the law of Moses empowering the Aaronic priesthood is not any longer binding on God's God's people simply because it is Jesus that has saved us. Not the Levitical priesthood, not by the blood of goats and lambs, but by the superior blood of Jesus Christ. And it's permanent. It's permanent. And we live this life of faith in Jesus Christ. who is after the order of a high priest, without beginning, without end, without restriction, who never fails, ever. I'm not going to say it again. You know how old I am, and I've never found God to fail me once. Not once. Jesus is from Judah, not Aaron. And his tenure as as our high priest is forever. Forever and forever. He's the perfect priest. Psalm 110 verse 4 says this, The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. God swore an oath when he appointed Jesus as our high priest, as he appointed him to take care of those who put their trust in him. I know very well that I'm not going to die until he wants me home. That will be when my work here is finished. Now, the high priest in the Levitical priesthood Had to be physically perfect. Did you know that? They had a crooked nose, a bit like mine is. That barred you from being a priest in the Levitical priesthood. Somebody's worked out that there was a list of 140 physical blemishes that could disqualify a man from being priest. 140. Maybe a pimple on the end of your nose or something like that. I don't don't know what they were. But it's ridiculous, isn't it? So it's trivia. But with Jesus, there's no trivia. But it wasn't Jesus' perfect physical appearance that mattered. But it was, it was rather, it was his, (laughs) he was spiritually superior with no spiritual blemish, and morally without blame or sin. That was the thing, that was the quality and the purity of Jesus. Therefore, he had never sinned. The Bible says that. Jesus never sinned. He was tempted like you and me, but he resisted. But he was perfect. Therefore, he was fitted to be our high priest. He had no blemish of character. No blemish of character, and you know what, folks? If you're in Jesus this morning, you can live just like that, because He's there making intercession for you, praying to Father, help them, help them, Lord. That tendency they have to exaggerate, to to envy. Oh, let's take them beyond that, Father. He's working on your character as well. To make us perfect in his sight. Now, The Scriptures teach us that this law of the Levitical priesthood, the law under the Levitical priesthood, by which the people were regulated. You know the laws that said for this sin you, you have to take a pigeon and for another sin you have to take a sheep and so on and what have you and you have to sacrifice it. All that's been done away with. Because it was unable to secure full and final forgiveness of sin. The blood of sheep and goats cannot take away your sin. It covered it for a period for the people before Jesus. But the blood of Jesus is perfect. It is life. itself, And Jesus shed it so that that blood could seal us as his children forever forever we're going to be together forever hope you like me enough my uh, lady friend Barbara in Anglesey she's just had a a, a cataract taken off her eye she's got the other one to do but she was really quite, quite as blind as a bat and uh, so <laughs> But you have going to have it done, I, I said to her, I said, Well, I hope it all goes well, but I hope when you can see me, you still love me. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen it yet. <laughs> God is a revealing God. Just as Barbara will see clearly, we can see God clearly when the blood has been applied to our hearts. We can see him. We can walk with him. We can be like him because that's what Jesus died for. That We might be like Jesus. Like the Son of God. A real pleasure to the heart of our Father. Hebrews 7, verses 18 and 19 say, For there is an annulling of the former commandment, Because of its weakness and unprofitableness, for the law made nothing perfect. Listen, people. If you've got a set of rules that you try to live by, ditch them. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to live by faith in Jesus Christ, whereby his nature becomes your nature. And quite naturally, you don't lie anymore. You don't envy anymore. You don't gossip. You don't steal. You don't do any of these things because that is the nature of Jesus. If you try to keep a set of rules, you will fail. I feel sorry that in many churches, people are taught to follow a set of rules. To do this and to do that. And in some cases, it's extreme. And it's unnecessary. We live by faith. We live by faith in what Jesus has already done for us. That's being saved, believing that, and living that way. Trusting God. Trusting God that when we're tempted, he will give us strength to resist. The law could never do it. The law still can't do it. Now, some of the good requirements of the law just so happens are the nature of Christ anyway. To love and not hate. To be joyful and not miserable. To care for others and not just yourself. He cares about us, so why should I bother about me? The old law was powerless to overcome sin and the condemnation it brings. Law is not the way, but a life that's totally dependent on Jesus Christ by faith and by which sin no longer has a hold. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, sin, that besetting sin, sometimes we excuse ourselves. Oh, my father was just like me. I can't get rid of it. Yes, you can. You turn to Jesus with all your heart and repent. Because his word says that you can change, you can change. Because Jesus is there saying, Father, let's do this for them. Let's do this for them. Let's do that for them until you look like Jesus. Who wants that? Who wants to be just like Jesus? Fantastic, fantastic. That's where you're going. That's where you're going. But praise God, we are the recipients of a better hope through the priestly ministry of Jesus Christ, which he accomplished once and for all something which the Aaronic priesthood could never do. He fully and finally got rid of our sins, atoned for our sins, and brought us into the very presence of Father God. Because of Jesus Christ, because of the seal of the blood on your life, you're welcome into the presence of Father Trouble is these days we're usually too busy. We're running around. Try to take some time out and just sit with God. Just talk to him. Talk to him about the things around you. You might have a lovely garden. Talk to him about the flowers, because he made them. Just talk to him. Don't hurry. And you'll be surprised at what happens. You'll be surprised. God swore by himself. He appealed to his own glory, his own honor, and his dignity when he said, Jesus, you are a priest forever, never to be replaced, never to be succeeded, forever. Oh, Jesus is at the right under the Father in glory. And his whole concern is you. It would be good, wouldn't it, if if King Charles had you personally in mind (coughs) when he was conducting the affairs of state, but one far greater than King Charles, one who made the universe. He knows you by name. What a thought. What a thought. It says in Hebrews 7.22, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. That's a guarantor, really. The surety means it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ himself. He's our ever-living high priest. All the other Old Testament high priests who descended from the tribe of Levi and family of Aaron were mortal. They died eventually. They were all at some point succeeded and replaced by another. But Jesus is immortal. He lives and loves us forever. He loves you. We all need to be loved. Some men sometimes... Yeah, I'm talking, I'm tough. I am tough i do not need love. Of course you do. And you'll find out sooner or later. And God loves us. Not only, not only does he pray for us, but he loves us. Every one of you. But because he lives forever... The rules never change. We come to his feet and repent for the things we've done wrong, and he takes us in and changes us from the inside. That's how the Melchizedekian priesthood works. Just imagine for the Jews the the discomfort, the insecurity, the uncertainty, the anxiety in Israel, every time a priest died, as I said to you before, Josephus, Josephus counts from the beginning to the end of the priesthood 83 different priests. And every time they died, who was going to offer the sacrifices on their behalf? Because it had to be done by a priest. Who was going to intercede for them? Because they went to the priest for the priest to. Pray to the Lord. They'd be saying, who will hear God for us? But it's not that way for us. Who are under the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus holds that position permanently. And he talks to the Father about us about every little problem. Do you know the Bible says he knows when one hair falls out of your head? So they've been talking about me quite a lot. Consequently, this is the important bit, consequently, and for this reason, we know with absolute rock-solid, unshakable confidence that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost anybody and everybody who draws near to God through him. When we come to Jesus, he hears us and he does what's necessary. Not that he might have an off day and be too busy for us. Every time we come to him and say, Lord, help! He's on the job right away. Only God can do that because... He's everywhere. And it says, He lives to make intercession for us. In Romans 8, we read this Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Furthermore, He's also risen. Sorry, I missed it. The glasses. Who is able to condemn us? Who is it that condemns us? It's Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, it says? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as slaves for, slaves for the slaughter. Yes, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. While Satan is trying to do us down, while he's trying to bring our lives into chaos and into a mess, Jesus is there lifting us up before his Father constantly. What a wonderful salvation. And even when I've got an off day and I'm a bit grumpy with him, not that it happens often these days, I don't get grumpy these days. But even if I did, and even if you do, he doesn't put him off you one little bit. You're his treasure. all this wonderful, uttermost salvation, no matter how seemingly helpful the psychologists and doctors are in trying to treat our anxieties and things like that, help us cope with life, no matter how good the council is, even in church, sooner or later it comes to an end and it's no longer enough. You know that. You know that. These things only go on so long before their capacity to help has ended. Everything in life on earth ultimately fails. Everybody who sets out to help ultimately fails. You. This, this is a common experience. It's not that I'm being pessimistic. It's it's It's, it's reality. But if that was all I had to say to you this morning, then I wouldn't be at all put out if you got up and walked out because that's no message of hope, is it? But it is the way things are. But with Jesus, it is different. There are no limitations with Christ. The word used is uttermost. There's two words in that passage that I read. I've told you already uttermost and always, uttermost and always. These words, two words, they life-saving, hope-giving, joy-awakening, heart-thrilling and breathtaking in their force and application. God is always on the job. He's always on your case. There's not a hint of negativity in them. No matter what depth you sink to, and no matter how many times you've done it, God will still lift you up when you cry out to Him. Sometimes people get into such a mess that the devil persuades them that God's patience has a limit. That's nonsense. God's patience has no limit he gets upset for you because every time you listen to the devil, of course, you've got days, weeks, months when you're not enjoying the best of heaven, when you've not got a smile on your face, when you're like everybody else, as miserable as the newspapers, or to most. There isn't a, a, a description higher God will do his utmost. It means that nothing in salvation Christ provides is lacking in any way. There's nothing lacking in your salvation. It means that there is nothing defective in what Christ has done for you or in the reconciliation with God that he has obtained. (coughs) Father sees you as his child. A brother or sister with Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done and shared with you. It means that his salvation is complete and whole. All pervasive, all encompassing every area of your life. Yes, your life in church. Your life at work. You want promotion, please God. Live to please God. And God will see to it that people treat you fairly. Between yourselves and your family, there's nothing more heartbreaking than a dysfunctional family, is there? And our world is full of them. Jesus can put it right. God gives us a full salvation. You know, many of you, not all, that my wife died about four and a half years ago. It was a difficult time, but He brought me through. He's changed my nature quite a lot, actually. But He's brought me through into a new dimension. I'm as excited now as I was when I was a teenager. Well, better because so, teenagers are often miserable, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Our salvation is complete. You see, it's us that limit Him, it's us that limit God. And we reason it. There must be some people who are just too wicked for God to save, don't we? And we look at some of the goings on and we see it reported on the telly and in the newspaper. We think, oh, they could never get saved. It's nonsense. God's reach is not too short for anybody. But we misjudge him. We sell God short. Surely what I've done this time, oh, he can never forgive me for that. That's the 27th time I've done that. How long is God's patience? How long is God's patience? It's infinite, isn't it? There are no lengths to which God in Christ won't go to save you. He sent Jesus to the cross to save you. There's no sin that you've committed or are committing or will commit that are beyond the power of God to reach you and to restore you. Sometimes we think, oh, but you don't know my situation, Lord. Oh, I could never get saved. He doesn't know my situation. I tell you, I remind you that God saves to the uttermost. Then we wonder, oh, I must have committed the unpardonable sin. Now his love can't reach me. We begin to think, can his love reach me? Can it? No, no, it can't reach me. I remind you. I remind you again that he saves to the uttermost. But Lord, this time I've gone too vile, too sinful. The things I've i are so wicked. I remind you, God saves to the uttermost. Well, it's all too good to be true. Oh, everybody has their limits. Even God must have his limits. I remind you, God saves to the uttermost. To the uttermost. God saves utterly, exhaustively, comprehensively. And the speed at which you progress to perfection is up to you. How much trust you put in him. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we are also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our very bodies that they may be reconformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. In Romans 7, 5, we actually read that sin is in the flesh. It's this that really is the root of the problem. It's not in our spirit. It's in the flesh. But the promise is there. he transforms transform us so that our flesh, the desire to do naughty things, is taken away. The appetites for sin are gone. That's how far he will save us. But it gets better, you know. This is not just a one-off offer, a special sale at the end of the the season. This is always, always, he's waiting for you to come to him and get down on your knees and say, Lord, I've done it again. Never mind, son. Are you sorry? Yeah. Oh, yes, Lord. Then, son, rise up. You're forgiven. Of course, all the time, we are studying the Word after so that we might not sin against Him. God's love for you and for me is never-ending, never-ending, something eternal, something lasting. Jesus is always on the job of talking to Father about us. We are the beneficiaries of a better covenant where Jesus Christ is looking after our lives forever, forever. When I was younger, I used to sing a hymn in church. I've got to read a verse and the chorus to you. All oh, this uttermost salvation. Tis a fountain full and free, pure, exhaustless, ever-flowing, wondrous grace. It reaches me, it reaches me, it reaches me, wondrous grace, it reaches me, pure, exhaustless, ever-flowing, wondrous grace, it reaches me. That grace is extended to every one of us this morning. Everybody here, maybe it hasn't reached you yet. Maybe you're not quite sure. If you're not sure about this grace that lifts you from the depths if you're not sure that the grace of God, the love of God has reached you, I want to pray with you. In the next few minutes, I just want you to come and stand with me. That's why I've come down. As Jesus came down to the earth (coughs) to meet with the sinners, I'm here to pray with you so that you get that assurance that his grace has reached you. I'm just going to stand here for just a few minutes. Come and join me if you want that assurance. And I'll pray with you. Lord, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Jesus. Then I take it you're all satisfied. And you know the grace of God in your life. You have the victory. Maybe you're just shy, so you can come and see me afterwards. Father, we just bless you and thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of that word that you are always at the right hand of the Father making intercession. For each one of us. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Amen.